Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks and this week's edition comes from Annecy in France, where the international animation industry this week descended on the picturesque lakeside alpine town to talk all things tunes. In this episode, you'll hear from members of the creative teams behind two keenly awaited projects in the world of animation and beyond. One, a reboot of a much-loved classic piece of IP, and the other, a dark original story about a caveman at the dawn of evolution and a dinosaur at the brink of extinction. First, here's Pete Browngard, executive producer of Looney Tunes cartoons, and Alex Kerwin, supervising producer on the Warner Brothers animation short-form series, which features classic characters such as Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. The first short, which sees Bugs Bunny return to torment his old adversary Elmer Fudd, has received a hugely positive reaction both here in Annecy and online since being released earlier this week. I began our chat by asking Alex how the creative team went about developing what will amount to 1,000 minutes of short-form content designed for digital, mobile and broadcast. In terms of finding the look and feel of, of the cartoons, as you mentioned, they feel classic, they feel very inspired by uh, the 30s and 40s shorts. We wanted to strike this balance of not trying to make fake cartoons that were going to fool people, that were, you know, you know, this is a, a, a new, we found in the archives, a new 1938, you know, Porky Pig short or, or something like that. But they felt, we wanted to do something that felt fresh but very inspired by those, by those cartoons and was very faithful to the core principles of where the comedy came from and that they were approached as individual shorts and not as episodes of a TV show and that the scenarios and the character pairings were all designed for comedy and and came from sort of a logical place that you would use this character for this sort of uh, comedy scenario or you would use these two characters together but not these two characters we definitely study the old shorts um, for that and so in terms of finding the look we didn't want to modernize the look of the characters but we also didn't want to just take an old model sheet and so Jim Soper uh, who was that artist we were talking about earlier? He, he, uh, when we found him, he was an artist who sort of struck that balance of being able to find um, designs that felt very reverential to the the way those cartoons looked and felt back then, um, but had this sort of um, very pushed, caricatured feeling to them that we knew could deliver comedy and they're sort of his designs are sort of a best of they sort of take different elements of the characters from different eras and kind of put them together and I love things that feel fresh but classic at the same time but it's it's a very tricky thing to do and he was found on Instagram is that right yeah I had a a great story so before I ever started on the project I I came upon his Instagram and I, I fell in love with his artwork um, and, you know, you find people, you, you see artists work and you kind of, you know, being an artist yourself, you go, I, I know where this guy's coming from. And, and I knew that he loved, I could tell that he loved not only Looney Tunes, but just classic animation and classic cartooning. So, I, you know, I made a note of it in my head, like, well, my next project, I'd love to get this guy involved somehow. Because I, I figured we'd have a lot of things in common artistically and creatively. So when this came about and we started into um, development, 
I just reached out to him on it on through I think through Instagram through a direct message, and I said, hey, you know, do you mind getting on the phone? I'd, I'd like to talk to you about a project. So, exchange numbers. I give him a call, and I said, hey, hey, Jim, I'm my name's Pete Brongard. I'm going to be doing this new Looney Tunes project at Warner Brothers Animation, and I would love for you to help us set the style, you know, and help us develop the characters' look and feel and design. And there was this long pause, and he just said. Jim said, I've been waiting my whole life for this phone call. So I was like, wow, I got the, I got the right guy for the job. And uh, he works remotely, but in this day and age, it's you know, still con very convenient, very, very easy. And um, just as just an unbelievable artist, just as really, at, at every stage of the process, you know, just delivers, just beautiful material, un like Alex was saying, just understands the material. Uh, you know, it's a great animator as well. Um, yeah, he's just just felt very lucky to have Jim involved, and and it really goes to show. It's like, you know, there's no more walking around with your portfolio. You know, these social media accounts and and the internet is it's people are looking. You know, and uh, I feel like that's your best calling card artistically. And I was wondering if, on the subject of the internet, if that order for a thousand minutes with no kind of defined distribution strategy as yet as far as I'm aware would that have been even feasible 10 or maybe even five years ago or is the fact that you know there are potential future platforms online where this can end up and lots of other avenues where these shorts can end up do you think that was the reason why that order was possible when was whereas before it maybe wouldn't have been possible um I think yeah, I don't think we could, it definitely is a now situation, especially with streaming, especially with the internet, is that you don't have to be locked into these broadcast models of 22 minutes or 11 minutes so they can package these things. Um, you can make shorts again, and I don't think we could have done this even five years ago. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely now because there's so much content being produced around the world. Uh, content's king. and. Um, just being able to do a large order, get a team, a strong team together that can sort of grow together artistically and, and, and produce a large amount of material to a high level of quality. I think that was important, important to them. To, to have to force this into the shape of a TV show with commercial breaks and, you know, I, I guess I don't want to say it couldn't be done, but it would be a lot harder to do what we're doing. Yeah. It's, it's much easier to, to approach us very organically and let these shorts be the length they want to be and, and, um, uh, and, and be a lot sort of truer to the, to the format of the, the classic shorts that we know work so well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it can't, it, it, the, I don't say Looney Tunes couldn't work in some scenario in, a, in sort of a structured thing, but they're, they work the best as shorts. Yes. <laughs> they, you know, six and a half minute shorts are, are exactly what they were designed to be. Uh, but we're, we're, all, we're doing shorts that are one minute to six and a half a minute, so anywhere in between. Yeah. And that's been really fun too, because you can sort of do these bite sized little gags, just to have a gag play out. So it's been, each, been cool. Each uh, time length kind of has its own, uh, not rules, but sort of. It's been fun to sort of requirements. Requirements. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun to kind of learn 
what makes a great one-minute cartoon and what makes a great three-minute cartoon and what's a great five-minute cartoon. And they're all very different. Mm-hmm. It, you approach the story differently. You approach how you introduce the characters differently and what sort of gags you tell. It's challenging. It, it's hugely challenging, but yeah. that's one of the great things about how many we're doing is that it's enabling us to really experiment quite a bit and and really get our bearings in terms of yeah telling different kinds of you know doing different different sort of time formats mm-hmm. and uh, really having fun with it yeah and around here at Annecy there's been posters for by companies um, touting things like game engines as the future of animation and I was wondering what your take is on the way methods of creating animation are changing. Well, I mean, I don't know much about it, but yeah. I'll say this. I feel like animation will always be the best one frame at a time by a human being controlling it. Guided, guided frame by frame yeah. by an artist. By an artist, yeah. By Which artist. is how ours is done. We use technology in the execution. Um, but we want the aesthetic to, to feel like those classic shorts and to get the level of exaggeration, to get the humor out of the drawings and the acting. I think it really has to be approached on that frame-by-frame frame sort of um, basis. Looney Tunes, the sensibility of Looney Tunes is really unique. It, mm-hmm. it really is. It's, it's based in funny drawing and funny movement and if you if you move away from that it has a different flavor it has a different feel to it and i also think that you know i'm a big like i have a, one of my big theories is that there's animated shows and then there's cartoons and looney tunes is a cartoon and that's a language of of filmmaking it's a language of storytelling it's a language of humor uh, of surrealism all these things and It'd be hard for, I think, some sort of generated engine to create that sort of artistic sort of uh, play with, with, that, with that language and that form. But you know what? If, if it probably could work for other types of animated shows, you know, for sure. But sure. I, I think we, we think things like that are interesting cool. and cool. Yeah. I love all types of animation. Yeah. I'm a huge animation fan. That's why I love being in Annecy. But when you're doing something with such a, a rich legacy and, and heritage as Looney Tunes, you really want to make sure you're, you're being true to the principles that they established. I also caught up with Gendy Tartofsky and Scott Wills, who have been working together for 20 years now on hits such as Samurai Jack and Star Wars Clone Wars. We talked about their latest series, Primal, which will air on Adult Swim this fall, as well as the current health of the animation industry in general. Here's Gendy. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, because of all the new platforms that there's so much being made. So for a creator, uh, for people who work in the industry, it's a great time because there's so much work, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot going on, which is good. And Scott, we're seeing uh, posters around Annecy from various companies uh, promising to uh, be the future of animation on the technical side of things, so mm. using things like game engines. And I'm just wondering if that ever factors into your thinking uh, when you're working. No, no. I, I'm surprisingly anti-technology. <laughs> um, and I think you'll see that in Primal. It feels very old school, very hand-drawn. It doesn't rely on a lot of uh, effects, like digital effects. 
I think we kind of try to avoid stuff looking too digital and cold. So yeah. we, we, we like <laughs> we like old school, you know, yeah. animation styles. Not, yeah, not that we're trying to make it look retro, but um, but we appreciate the technology and, and like Gendy's using um, TV paint, which is just unbelievably useful, right, yeah. Gendy? Yeah. yeah, and I think technology-wise, yeah, like it's it's fantastic, and uh, but I feel like we're still trying to figure out storytelling and art, mm-hmm. <laughs> so and the original way, you know, and um, and so like I've always just focused on that side of it and not worry about the technology, you know, because I'm not smart mm-hmm. enough <laughs> to figure out all that stuff, and so it's it's um, it's fantastic where it's heading. At the same time, it's all about the storytelling, you know. So whatever facilitates your story the best. Right. You know, and I think sometimes we forget about that. We get caught up in the technology so much, but it's really without the great story, stories and characters, um, there's nothing. And Gendy, you've got an amazing track record in terms of creating uh, shows uh, that appeal to both kids and then more adult skewing shows. And then in the case of Samurai Jack, shows that kind of go from one to the other. Yeah. Uh, when you're deciding on your next project, do you have a particular audience in mind, or yeah, what what, what steers you? Yeah, I think it's it's. Um, I don't think about the audience so much. I think about the stories I want to tell at the at the time that I'm uh, thinking about all this stuff. And so, yeah, lately it's definitely been more adult because I think I want to push. I want to push animation, keep it going further. And because all the generations that have grown up on my shows and other shows, they're all older now, and there's more animation fans now than there have ever been. You know, because before, especially when we were starting, animation was just kids. You know, and that's it. And of course, like, you know, in Europe and Japan, it's much different. But in America, especially, it was, you know, animations for kids. And then Simpsons comes along and all these other shows. And all of a sudden, it starts to break away from that. You know, and because uh, there's a new generation of people who watch animation and they're much bigger, uh, all of a sudden you can do, you know, I mean, there's Adult Swim that has, you know, 24 hours of adults animation and so all of a sudden you can do different storytelling and people are opening up to it so I'm just trying to push and push and push and I love kids and at the same time I've done so much of it that I kind of wanted to do something more serious sometimes and uh, and just entertaining in a different way. You guys have worked together a lot uh, over the years. 20 years. How has that working relationship changed over time? It's um, falling apart. <laughs> We're not getting along at all. Uh, no, it's great. I mean, we have very similar sensibilities. I think I think that's why we, it works really well. I, uh, able to, he reacts well to my work, which if he didn't, it would be a disaster. So yeah, it's it's. A, no, I mean, the, yeah, yeah. The, the whole goal is to find people who are like-minded, right. and at the same time are very unique. You know, because every time uh, Scott like picks colors or you know, it's something that I would never think of. But I like it, you know, and that's what's exciting. And so I've always tried to surround myself with people that are better than me and that can have their own very strong point of view, you know. Um, and, and that's always the key. And, you know, and yeah, we, because, because we, it is the sensibilities are so close, it's very easy, you know. It's, there's not one time that I go, oh, yeah, can we try something different? I don't think I've ever said that. Can we try something different? Yeah. yeah. No, but you're not easy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, he's not easy though. He, he's he's hard to please. You know, he he wants he wants unique stuff that he hasn't seen before. So it's not a cakewalk. <laughs> and Gendy, you mentioned obviously all the different platforms that are available now. Um, many of which have been tying in talent that kind of 
found their success on traditional broadcast platforms. Yeah. You've stayed pretty loyal to uh, Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. Yeah. Um, what's been behind that? It's the people. Uh, you know, Mike Lazo, who started, uh, really kind of started Cartoon Network and now Adult Swim, uh, he was my boss on Dexter, Powerpuff, Samurai, and then now on uh, Primal. And I think, uh, you know, because I don't think anybody would have greenlit Primal besides him, and nobody would have greenlit Samurai Jack besides him, because he believes in me. You know, like I sold him the idea for Jack over dinner. I said it's super stylized, not a lot of dialogue, samurai fighting robots. Because that sounds great, and that was it, and we were off and running. And, uh, and this one was a little more difficult, uh, <laughs> where I showed him the whole storyboard that I had, and he loved it, and he's kind of been my uh, biggest supporter. And I think without that relationship, everything would be much more difficult, you know. And it was, we both, you know, we both kind of came up at the same time where he was running um, programming Cartoon Network and I was making Dexter, it was the first series. And so um, back then it was, everything was so crazy. It was like the Wild West, you know, we've got a new network. We don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it. We're trying to find each other. And at the same time, you know, we made a good show that helped the network and, um, and so it was a very, it's a very organic relationship. And Scott, a lot of the appeal, it seems, with the SVOD platforms, when animation talent go there, they talk a lot about freedom that they're being given and, and things like that. Are you, anecdotally, is that something you're hearing from your colleagues in the industry? And, and if so, do you think that's having a, a positive knock-on effect on the traditional broadcasters? The freedom at artistically, like at Netflix? I'm not sure I understand the question. Yeah, free, well, generally a freedom artistically, but also editorially as well. Yeah, I mean, we we hear a lot of a positive, uh, you know, a lot of people going to Netflix, and yeah, it seems to be great. I mean, there's so such uh, so many outlets now for content that I think people are able to do the types of shows they want to do more than ever. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. There's definitely because it's so competitive. You could, if you're a creator and you have something different. You could stand your ground and say, like, well, if you don't like it, I'm going to take it somewhere else. You know, I think this is probably one of the first times in history where you could do that, because before there would be like four places you could go. You know, and now there's so much. So, um, but we'll see how that, you know, um, what the reality, what the is. future is about all that, and the reality and, and, is, yeah. And there is a reality to this world now that there's so there's so much. They think it's hard to stand out. You know, if your show's on Netflix or something, it's. How does it get noticed? Because they might not even promote it. You know, it's not yeah. like the old days where there was very few channels, very few animation channels. Um, so I think that's the challenge of standing out. Yeah, you got to so be. Much. I think you got to be different and unique yeah. to pop. And you know, and broadcast what, too. That's what Primal. Is. <laughs> that's all we have time for on this week's podcast. But be sure to stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on Twitter, and on mobile. Thanks for listening. <laughs>